Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Games Season 2 where we are talking about The Last of Us 2. Just a warning, there is many many spoilers in this podcast so if you haven't played the game yet and you don't want spoilers, switch it off now. Okay, okay I'm so, Anthony. And I'm Abby and after this I'm seriously considering changing my name to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't really talk about the fact that Abby, like, it was your namesake. I knew I was a baddie, I felt it. <laughs> Why did you kill Joe, Abby? <laughs> So, Joel died at the end of the last episode. And we're still in shock. So, but shock, not shock, I think. Yeah, we knew Joel, we, knew, we, we were probably starting going into this, something was going to happen to Joel. We just didn't think. That it happened so soon and so graphically. Yeah. But we talked about that before. So, we're starting this block with the aftermath. Mm-hmm. And it starts with Ellie sitting on her bed. And she looks so numb. And she looks wrecked. And she's also like, her face is all messed up. Yeah, she's still healing from getting hurt. I'm actually surprised she healed so well because it looked like her lip was totally split open by that kick mm-hmm. to the head. I think her like lip was split. But she's, it's been a few days. Though. Yeah, it's definitely been a few days. I mean, Joel, we find out later Joel's beat is in the ground and been buried. Yeah. So Tommy comes around with some frozen food and the age-old tradition of you need to eat. Yeah. Like, Marie wants to know you're eating. That's actually quite nice. Like, Tommy's wife wants to make sure that Ellie's okay and that that to me feels like it's just a sincere gesture I mean Tommy's used it as a way to talk to Ellie but you know she's like are you heading over to Ellie's take this with you yeah but Ellie's response is she can't stop us yeah that's what she says in response and you find out that they've asked Maria for a gang to run to Seattle and get revenge get on revenge this, these people who did this to Joel and I'm going to say a controversial thing here. I think Maria is a hero. Yeah. She's thinking... Marie's she's looking not at... perpetuating the cycle of violence that we're seeing so clearly in this. Yeah. She's thinking about the bigger picture. That's exactly what I was about to say. She's looking at the bigger picture. She's looking about the survival of her people in her town. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't want to get rid of this many horses and this many people who are good at fighting and this many guns because you need them to protect your own town. And the town they've got, the city they've got is amazing. Yeah. Especially when you see other cities. It's amazing. It's and, and unreal. One of the things Tommy even mentions to Ellie when they argue is like, she can't release a whole gang of people. What if hunters come back? Yeah. So they've been attacked before and they, like, they've had to defend themselves. And they need those people to defend the town. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and something that we have talked about a lot in this is how Tommy, Joel and Ellie are the same. Yeah. Ellie's becoming such a mirror of early Joel. Yeah. I I don't know if she's quite a mirror of the early Joel. I think she's the end of The Last of Us yeah, one mirror. That's a better way of putting it, yeah. Where there's such a hardness. Like, it's pure survivalist. It's pure, you've hurt me, so I'm hurting you. It's instinctual. Yeah. There's no... Lashing out. Whereas Maria is showing that there is a way to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. And it isn't easy and it does hurt. Like, But taking the higher ground for both parties means no more pain and no more... Yeah, because it is safe to assume that she is hurting over Joel as well. Yeah. Like, Ellie was the surrogate daughter, Tommy was the brother. Like, she was a sister-in-law. That, she had a relationship. She'd be hurting too. Yeah, that family's, that family's been crushed by what's happened. You don't know if, you don't know if Tommy and uh, Marie have a daughter or a son, do you? Do they have any kids? I don't know. So, you know, Ellie might even be feeling a little bit of a surrogate like for them as well. She's family. She's close with them. So, 
Tommy's like Ellie's like well then we're good we're going yeah, we're just gonna go ourselves we'll sneak out so Tommy's like right okay give me a day give me a day to talk to Maria see what I can do and like I'll check in with you tomorrow and the scene the scene shifts and Tommy's taken off yeah so Ellie is at Joel's graveside and she just looks so upset and so sad and Dina's behind her Dina's being a good girlfriend Dina's the best side note yeah Dina is the best Dina's the best um, and Ellie says that they've obviously made their own plans to leave because Dina mentions that she's stashed their bags at the gate mm-hmm. and that she tried to get at the horses but they've been locked down Maria doesn't want anyone else leaving and that's when you find out Tommy's gone which is exactly why Tommy has done it yeah Ellie's going to be so annoyed with Tommy for just taking off like that like telling her that he needs a day and then just leaving when we were walking the dog today we were talking about this and we were like this is almost like Joel still protecting Ellie in death like it's now Tommy's responsibility. Tommy's the only other person in the world that knows that she's immune. The only other person in the world... In fact, Tommy is now the only person in the world that knows about the fireflies and the fact what happened that there. she could have been harvested for a cure. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy also just lost his brother. Yeah. After just getting him back. So I think Tommy would have seen it as his responsibility to Joel to leave Ellie behind. Yeah. And, you, and I also... Tommy knew he has to do something because you don't mess with the Millers. Yeah. Like, the, the, there's no ambiguity with Tommy. You know that that's what he would do. He'd have to get revenge. Because um, they're the same. Yeah. So, Ellie then tells Dina that they can go once she gets something from Joel's house. And you walk down the road to Joel's house. And the first thing you see is on the steps and the garden outside the house, it's just so many flowers. Yeah, this actually really touched us because it showed quite a lot how much Joel has grown. He's really obviously fit himself into this town. He's loved here. But if you think about in Boston, oh. how he was living. Yeah. Where here he has a nice house. It's clean. It's well looked so after. So clean looked after. It's not like it's cleaner than Ellie's house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the house of a man who's depressed or struggling. Nope. He's got framed pictures on the like mantelpiece of drawings that Ellie has done of him yeah there's art everywhere not just her art you find out as you explore upstairs that he's got a new hobby he's um, wood carving Mm -hmm. and he's doing some beautiful carvings Um, he's really changed who he is and really grown as a person yeah and this is something I always find a bit interesting about the idea of revenge when it comes so much later it's like it's the whole idea of like how your grandfather's axe like if you change all the bits is it still your grandfather's axe Mm -hmm. if you've changed all the bits of Joel is he still the Joel that that did whatever he did to Abby so long ago that we still don't know what it is Um, that's a good question like can can action someone takes later in their life make up for things they've done earlier in their life and I don't know the answer to this it's just something that I I wonder about it's definitely a question the game is asking I think yeah for sure when you go to the house and you pick up Joel's watch, and Anthony knew it, he the second we were like, we're going to Joel's house. Just like, it was like, he's just going for the watch, he wants his watch. That yeah. Sarah, was his daughter called Sarah? Yeah. That Sarah gave him back at the start of the first game for his birthday. Um, and she also gets his pistol. Yeah. Which I think isn't really a lot of time spent on it, but I don't think guns are allowed in the town. And it's a really big deal for Joel to have a gun, like... Yeah, I think it's also a little bit of a hint that the old Joel is still there. He's still planning for disaster. He's got a backup. He's got his gun hidden under the bed, so that if something does go wrong, he's there. Yeah, he's, he's ready to go. Um, but while you're upstairs, Dina calls you downstairs, 
And she's like, nothing's wrong! Just just come down, please. And Maria's there. Of course Maria's there. Maria's not stupid. That's exactly what we said. Okay, Maria might be my favourite character so far. <laughs> like, I just love this strong, competent woman, woman keeping this town together. Yeah. And, like, on the other side of the coin, she's married to Tommy. And with that is Joel and Ellie. Well, I'm about right now she's dealing with Ellie, who is probably one of the most obstinate teenagers ever, who also has a blood debt she needs to pay. Yeah. Maria reads a letter that Tommy has left that basically says... I'm going because I have to. I can't let it lie. I know what you said, and it's like the right thing to do is to let this lie, but I can't do that. So I'm leaving. Lock up the horses. Don't let Ellie come after me. Lock her up if you have to. Yeah. And then Maria's like, basically turns to Dina and is like, are you going with her? Yeah. And Dina's like, of course. And she's like, right, you get one horse. Yep. You can take Shimmer. Get some guns. Bring my husband back. I think it's, you can take Shimmer. You can take your own guns. You can take some ammo. Yeah. And bring Tommy back. Yeah. It's the agreement. Um, which is, again, this woman is having to make a decision. She's having to invest more resources. Yeah. But I think she's investing the minimum she can, and she knows she can't stop Ellie, so she might as well help Ellie to increase the chances of her coming back. I think that's what it is. Like, if she locks Ellie up, Ellie's never going to... As soon as Ellie gets out, she's off. Yeah. Like, that's a that's a burning, burning thing she need, she'll need to deal with at some point in her life. Might she won't well rest. Be. And I think... Maria almost hopes there's a chance that they get to Seattle and realise it can't be done and come back. Yeah. We'll just see how big of a mammoth of a task it is. And it's much more likely that three together are going to survive than one on their own. And one of the things Dima, Dina and Abby, Dina and Ellie talk about before they go to the house is the fact that because the horses are locked up, it's going to be much harder to go to Seattle. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit in Dina's voice there like, maybe we should rethink this. Mm-hmm. But it's like, now nah, we're going anyway. This is something that comes up quite a bit. Um, and I think we'll talk about more in the next episode but Dina's not like Ellie no she's not hardened in the same way even though she's had awful things happen to her she still sees a lot of joy in the world and she's softer but not in a negative way yeah she's just more more human yeah like less hard edges more like more like Maria yeah but again not quite as extreme in that direction either so before they leave one other thing we do is we check Ellie's diary journal and there's a little bit in it that really struck me where she's talking about the fact that the last thing that Joel saw was her mm-hmm. and she doesn't know if that was a gift to him or the worst thing she could have done to him yeah and I thought that was really and she's also talking about the fact that every time she closes her eyes she sees his face she as the next bit goes on she is writing a lot of poetry about Joel like his loss is felt so deeply also, it's such a teenage angst thing to write teenage angsty poetry. <laughs> Love it. I'd, but to go back to Dina, Dina has such an interesting stake in it because her stake is Ellie. Yeah, she's there for Ellie and she has no link to Joel or Tommy. She just wants to make sure Ellie's okay and Ellie's mm-hmm. safe. And like, they've not been together for very long. But I think they've been friends for a very, very long, long time. time. Yeah, and that's hinted at as we go through this and they talk about things they've done together in the past. And then it's Seattle day one. Yeah, and that was very, very interesting. We both assumed that the journey to Seattle would be a big part of the game. But as I've been thinking about it, it's not so much in the first game, even though in my head it is. Yeah, the game, the first game had like chapters that started and ended with you arriving somewhere and leaving somewhere. Yeah, but in my head you travelled a lot more. I think it's because you spent more time on foot. Yeah. So a lot of 
the early Seattle stuff is quite a nice like scavenging mission. Even even before you get into that, you're just riding through this forest. You don't even realize you're near Seattle, yeah. and then suddenly the forest just opens up, and you're oh we're on a road. Yeah. So the 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 reclamation of nature is so strongly felt this late after the end of the world. It's really beautiful, actually. It is. It's lovely. But yeah, as you said, there's loads of fun scavenging to do here. Yeah, and it is interesting scavenging. Because you're going through like the little bit of the city you can get into. First of all, you have to get through the city. Yeah. And it's absolutely shocking you haven't been shot yet. It's so shocking. Even even before that, there's a bit I wanted to talk about. Where you get the map, mm-hmm. you pass this trailer, and there's no bit in the game, like Dina doesn't go, oh, we should check that trailer for loot. Mm-hmm. You just went, oh, I should, I'm just going to check this trailer out. Like, there was no... A lot of games try to hint you to do things without really making it obvious. Mm-hmm. Like, a bad game would just put an objective marker in that hut. And you'd be like, why do I need to go in there? But you just went in and you found a map. And that map is so crucially important. Yeah, because you, as you go, Ellie actually writes on the map. Where you've been and where your clues are. But if you hadn't gone in there, what would have happened? I don't know. Even finding, like, in that trailer, you find the codes for all the gates. Yeah. But again, you're right. It's just so scavenging. It's just so scavenging. It's really reward, and that's another thing. The game is hugely rewarding Abby for scavenging. She's going out of her way and exploring, and she's finding vignettes, like little bits with Dina and Ellie that you could easily miss. Mm-hmm. She's finding tons of equipment. You found the holster for the pistol. Oh yeah. And that's a huge find. Um, and that was just in some like you know that was really hidden away. I can't remember. I think where that found was it. in Barcos. I think that was in Barcos. But like, there's a so many people wouldn't do that. Like. Uh, a lot of people would but there's so much stuff you can miss by not exploring yeah I find this game rewards like and this could just be our perception but I feel like you get rewarded for not for killing in interesting ways and not shooting bullets Abby spent a lot of this game stealthing um, especially fighting the infected yeah when you fight the humans that goes out the window (laughs) Um, your, your old sort of panicky play comes back a little bit when you're being pressured mm-hmm. um, which is fun it's fun to watch but yeah when when you're stealth killing infected you tend to get a lot more loot out mm-hmm. of them that's what I find but yeah as you scavenge around the city you're finding the story of what has gone what, on yeah what's happened for you four or five well ten years ago so as a reminder Fedra are like the government military operation to try and quarantine the cities yeah and they were in Boston, Boston there were the Fireflies. Who were trying to overthrow them. And we thought that the Fireflies were kind of like a united front across America. Yeah, they were the resistance. But that's not true because here you have the WLF. Yeah, and Dina mentions the Ravens down in New Mexico. So, like, the world is broke. Yeah, these groups are all just fighting their own little corners. And I... Oh, no, it does. I was about to say, I don't know if the military even exists anymore, but they did in Boston. Yeah. The Fed Fed were still there four years ago in Boston. Yeah. So you've got to assume there's some government control somewhere, but it seems like they're really falling back. And it also seems like it's almost better to be out on your own than to be in a quarantine zone. And what you find out is that the WLF have come in and they've slowly been building traction. There's been loads of WLF propaganda going on. And they were originally led by... Two people. I can remember what Ben and somebody, Laura, I think. I can't Lauren, remember the names. Lauren and Ben, I think. Something like that, yeah. But they have been captured by Fedra and killed. Yeah, executed. And it's the cause has been taken over by a man called Isaac. And I think killing them publicly also galvanizes the population against Fedra. Um, For sure. But yeah, Isaac takes over. And it becomes a military coup. There are lots of examples that you find, like, we go to the courthouse, and you find in the courthouse... Federal guys have been put up against the wall and shot. And you find out another guy 
if you find sort of the Federal Commander's log, and he mentions that they're they're done with the city, like he obviously doesn't make it out, but they were planning to leave and just just see the city to WLF because just we're just they were losing too many people, and the resources could be used elsewhere. And there's lots of um, like little things. Cause the girls are looking for gas. Yeah. And the Federal people are trying to like hide enough gas to get out of the city. Yeah. And there's lots of the gas is here and the gas is here. Yeah, because the first place you go to is a place called the Dome. So, yeah, so the dome is really cool. The dome is a really interesting bit of the game. One of my favourite bits so far. And as you go in, one of the first things that struck us was that it reminded us both of the hotel where Tess had died. Yeah, especially approaching it from the front, for me, it just made me... I just thought like there was a bit where you crossed this big open area to get to it, and it just made me think of where Tess died at the start of The Last of Us. So, for me, it wasn't that. It was when you actually came outside. in. And if you remember when Tess died... You were up above and looking down on her? And you start off up above looking down into this open area, and that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, it is def- I feel so strongly that there's, um, like, not hints, but this... There's mirrors. Yeah, this, 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 like, the same thing's happening again, sort of. But the, the, the dome itself is really interesting because Dina recognises it as a synagogue. Mm-hmm. And this is a really beautiful bit with Dina. It's a beautiful bit with Dina, and it also tells you a lot about Ellie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ellie has no idea yeah about anything because dina starts to tell ellie what a synagogue is and about you know her her religion and the fact that her sister made sure that they tried to pray and and they had like a burnt out torah yeah because ellie has no idea what a torah is and you just find out that ellie has really no idea about the history of the world nothing it's just all been survival yeah because dina talks about like she she kind of is really proud about the fact she's from a long line of survivors and she talks about the holocaust and she talks about other things that have happened but the thing that ellie's when she says i like coming from a long line of survivors ellie's like do you mean the outbreak yeah so that's her like as far as ellie's mind goes the outbreak is like the first thing that's ever happened and that's a really surprising thing because I just had this mental image that Ellie really liked to read mm-hmm. and knew a lot about the world from books, but she doesn't seem to. No, I think she likes comic books. Yeah. And I think they talk later about how like Joel really liked 80s movies. Yeah, they watch, well, watch a lot of action movies together. Like cheesy 80 actions movies. But she doesn't know a lot about the history of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but you find out the dome, sadly, doesn't have any gas in it. And there is a nice little side story as well because you find out that the the rabbi and his family fled the city before WLF took over. Like, like a Fedra guard snuck them out. Which I love. Yeah, it was a really nice little thing to do. And you know what? We really needed that because we've been finding so many really depressing lot, like little letters and things. Mm-hmm. That just that little ray of light was really nice. And Ellie actually says, I hope you got to where you were going when she reads it, which is also nice as well. So after you find out that the dome has no gas in it, you've got to go to the second place that you know about, which, which is, is the courthouse. And one of the things we quite liked is the map was actually really easy to follow. Yeah. So we find ourselves at the courthouse really quickly. Well, before we move on, Abby has a secret about maps. I can't read maps. Ma- like. Abby can't read a map and she can't orientate herself on a map. Not, not even a little bit. Uh, but the game did a really good thing because you have this map and it's just like a tourist guide map. And Ellie is marking off where they've been and where to go. But even though it's a paper map, the map shows you where you are on it. And Thank you. Goodness. And it worked out so well for you. Yeah, the, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do it. The, the really funny thing about Abby as well is we live in a city with a grid in the CBD. So it's it's like, you know, any other big, like a big American city. It's all laid out in the squares. And, and Abby can't find her way around it at all. I can't do it. But we go to Sydney 
which is built like a European city. It's a big maze of little alleyways and crooked streets, and she has no problem finding a way around it at all. And it's really bizarre. For me, the grid is hard because it's too repeating. I can't orient. You don't have any landmarks or anything. Whereas, like, something that's a bit more sprawling isn't repeating in the yeah. same way. And you can so I can build my mental map a lot easier. It's really interesting. It's hard times. <laughs> so we go to the courthouse. And... First of all, getting into the courthouse is a little bit tricky. Yeah. Not super tricky, but... There, there was something about the user interface that really annoyed you trying to get into the courthouse. Oh, yeah. So I was just wanting to have a little bit of an explore before I went in. And it kept on being like, do you want a hint? Yeah. Do you want a hint? And I was like, no, I don't want a hint. <laughs> and you haven't used a hint yet. Mm-mm. You found your way into the courthouse and there was some clickers and some infected to kill. It wasn't anything too major. No. There was, there was a tricky bit with one clicker and one runner. Mm-hmm. We ended up molotoving them. Uh, but apart from that, everything else was a stealth kill. And, oh God, Ellie said something when you're in the courthouse about being on a jury, mm-hmm. um, where she, she says to Dina, uh, do you ever wonder what it would be like to be on a jury? And Dina's like, no, not really. And Ellie replies like, oh, a couple of minutes with my knife and like, I know if they were telling the truth or not. And so she has no concept of what justice really is. Yeah, we talked about that at the time. Like, as far as she's concerned, that is justice. Yeah. Like, it's not about reasonable doubt or, you know, forcing a confession out of someone. And she just can't conceptualise that. And what we know is that people will admit to anything under torture. Yeah. It's it's a really bad way of getting information. But that's what Ellie thinks is, the, is the, how you how you get justice and how you get information out of people. Yeah. Um, that's Which is a bit scary. It's really scary. Ellie is a scary girl. Mm-hmm. Like, way scarier than Dina. Even though Dina admits earlier on in this bit that she killed another human at 10 years old, mm-hmm. um, she's still nowhere near as broken as Ellie is. Yeah. Um, as we find out at the end of this bit we're going to talk about. And when you get down to the bottom of the courthouse, this is where you find all those executions. Executed. <laughs> executed federal people mm-hmm. who've just been lined up against the wall and shot and the sad thing is one of them has a letter on him where a WLF member was going to help him defect but he obviously didn't manage to get there in time yeah um, and yeah it's just or he bit, chose not to or he chose not to um, and it's just it's just telling the story that WLF's methods got more and more brutal as time went on yeah and they talk a lot you even find in the next room there's like a captain or something and he's been macheted through the throat. Yeah. And yeah, so we, yeah that's right. That's where you get your machete. The other thing that happens as you're going through the logs of this area is the WLF people in the logs stop referring to Fedra as Fedra mm-hmm. and start referring to them as the fascists. Yeah. Um, and that's a big thing. It's a big terminology change. And I think that marks when Isaac takes over. Um, he, make, he dehumanizes them. I was going to say, it marks them as like the other. Yeah. And if there was a group that would be easy to turn people against. Yes. Doesn't matter if they're actually fascists. Like it's a really strong bit of rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Like it, it marks a really big shift in WLF's uh, attitude towards Fedra and how they want to get them out of the city. So you head down into the basement and it's flooded and yep. there's a really frantic fight down there because you don't really get a chance to react before um, infected are rushing you. So I like was so proud of myself, I Molotov cocktailed the clicker. And it didn't work because the place was flooded. <laughs> but you managed and, to fight your way through it. Yeah. And you get the gas and you escape. And then we looked at the coffee shop next door. Yeah. And, that was, and, you found, and there was just some stuff in there. It wasn't that exciting. There yeah. was, um, there was a, a really big jump scare. There was a runner in the toilet that jumped out of you. We both jumped out of our faces. Out of our faces. Out of our faces. <laughs> and you find the key to a place called Barco's, which was our next port of call. Oh, no. The next shop was the music shop. 
Yeah, you're right. So we were going to Barco's yeah. and I just happened to notice like an open window. So you go round it with Ellie and Dina and you find out that Dina knows nothing about music. Nothing at all. Like Ellie, this is what Ellie knows. Ellie's passionate about music. Really passionate about music, yeah. She gets the names of the bands wrong. Ellie explains to her what groupies are. Mm-hmm. And then Ellie... Dina, there's a really cute bit where Dina's like, like so aren't I already your groupie? Yeah. <laughs> That was cute. Um, Dina tries to play the drum. <laughs> and you do, like, there's a really lovely guitar simulator moment. There's a guitar simulator moment where, first of all, Ellie plays the song that Joel sang for her right at the start of the game. A Pearl Jam song called Future Days, if you're interested. And it's a really beautiful song. And it also kind of it shows where Ellie's getting her love for music. Like, that's, yeah. that's all Joel. And Joel, Joel's, Joel loves his old school stuff from the looks of it. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, it's really nice. And, and the song has so much meaning between her and Joel. But then she plays Dina a song. I love this, right? She plays Take On Me. Now, the way she plays it is really beautiful. It's a really nice acoustic cover of Take On Me. Mm-hmm. But who taught her to play the guitar? Joel. Is Joel a giant troll? Did he teach Ellie like a meme song? Because Take On Me, yeah. like, he taught her Take On Me. <laughs> so, can we talk about how beautiful Take On Me is when it's not, like... like not, like, <laughs> all uh, poppy. A giant meme. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was really nice to listen to that as well. And the acoustic... And one of the things Abby pointed out while um, Ellie was singing was that she doesn't have a perfect voice, and that's actually really nice. It's mm-hmm. very rustic. Um, yeah, it was just such a lovely scene. It's a really nice little bit, though. And you got really upset because Ellie left the guitar behind. It wasn't that she left the guitar behind. It was that she didn't put it back in the case. And I was like, come on. Preserve it for the next person. Wow. Side note. As we're doing this, I'm trying to Google... Literally, if you type in Joel, the first thing that comes up is Joel's death. (sighs) I think I I might have gotten a spoiler today for this game from a YouTube title. I am on, like, an internet embargo at the moment. Until you finish it. I'm, like, off Instagram. I'm I'm off everything. Like, I have been using your YouTube (laughs) crochet patterns. Yeah, those are my YouTube suggestions are all crochet patterns. But, yeah, there's there's spoilers everywhere. And I really hate spoilers. uh, He says doing a spoiler full podcast. (laughs) But at least we're warning about spoilers. We're not putting in the titles of our episodes. Anyway, sorry. That's completely out of what we're doing. Uh, The music shop was beautiful. It, it was, was a really, really nice moment. moment. Yeah. Even that like beautiful backdrop. That Ellie was playing with the grass growing over, the algae growing over the window, so it was a green light coming through on her. And after that nice little kind of moment, you come around to Barco's. And Barco's is a dog supply shop around the corner. Yeah. And luckily the key lets you in. And again, this is a whole section that I think a lot of people just skip, because why would you need to come here? Yeah. Barco's has a lot of really interesting information in it. And that's where I get the holster. It's where you get the holster for the pistol, which means you no longer... And that was one of the things Abby was struggling with so much, was swapping weapons, because she was getting a lot of revolver ammo and not very much um, automatic pistol, semi-auto pistol ammo. Um, and she had to swap between the pistols a lot, and it was just... You, you were tripping over it all the time. Mm-hmm. But now that she has the holster, it's very easy to switch the, between the two pistols. Because oh, just so you know, the whole reason we're getting gas, we haven't actually mentioned it, is we need gas to make a generator run to open a gate to get to the hotel where we think... WLF or hold up. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something that Abby's mentioned before, but just to build on a little bit more, we have seen no living people since we got to Seattle. It feels totally abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and that's behind the walls and stuff. And the only things we're finding are infected. And not even, but not many. many. Yeah, not hordes. It's not like. But then Ellie does say as a throwaway, like the government sometimes bombs yeah. areas of cities because there's an area they're in that's all broken. Mm-hmm. But it just feels like WLF put so much effort into free the city, and it's then dead. Just abandoned it. Yeah. But we get into Barco's, and Abby finds the holster for her pistol, which makes your life so much better because Abby was really struggling to switch guns before, and she had to do it a lot. Mm-hmm. And the pistol, the holster, just makes it so much easier. It was just switching between the pistol and the revolver was yeah. difficult. And you find out a couple of other things. You get a little bit marked on your map where there's a truck that they were going, like a convoy they were going to attack. Yeah. Um, and, and there's just little ancillary bits of, of story about WLF, but it helps build this what was going on. You have a really good image of. Like the political and the military landscape of Seattle without actually a cutscene. Yeah. Without it feeling like you've had an information dump. It's showing, not telling. Absolutely. Which is perfect for great strip storytelling. And on the way to the gate, on the way to the gate, we find that convoy. Uh, yeah, we find the convoy and it's um, the ration trucks yeah. that have been shot to pieces. And inside you find like the officers of Fedra who are trying to escape. And one of the guys has a note on him that basically reveals that he had defected to WLF. And was an informant. And Isaac was like, your loyalty will be rewarded. And he's dead in the truck with everybody else. So clearly not. Isaac sounds like a really nasty piece of work. Mm-hmm. So we get through the gate. We get through the gate. We get to the Saravana Hotel. And the first thing you see is an infected jump the wall. So which tells you that the place is not really being guarded yeah. even though it's meant to be like one of their bases and like just before you see that Dina's like no Elliot's like watch your snipers from the windows mm-hmm. we need to be really careful and then you see an infected hop in and no gunshots and like you say like Abby said so you hop the gate you Molotov cocktail the yeah you two Molotov cocktails to kill loads of infected but I actually think I killed four it's because I like dubbed the first thrill <laughs> but I had to use my second Molotov to actually do the job of the first one and you find that the infected were eating a dead, recently dead, WLF soldier. Mm-hmm. And you start to work your way through the hotel and find more and more dead soldiers as you go through. And they've all recently been killed. And it looks like they've been shot. And there was an interesting bit here because I was like, this is Tommy. Tommy's done this. But Abby refused to believe until we found the last two. Yeah, because... I almost feel like we're not going to meet Tommy again. That's mm-hmm. the end of it. Until, like, you find his corpse or something. Yeah. So to see Tommy, like... Just ahead of us. Is a bit crazy. And we travel through the hotel, and I think we follow blood marks. We follow bl- blood... Tra- no, you're just looting rooms, and yeah. then you go into this one room, and it's lit differently. And we're going to end it here talking about this room. Yeah. And it's two bodies... Tied to chairs, tortured. And one of them has written the code to... The gate nearby. The nearby gate, which you don't have in blood. And Ellie's immediately like, this is Tommy, because Joel told me about these torture techniques. Yeah, where you get them to write down the information and compare it. Mm -hmm. Also, like, Joel, what are you doing? Why are you telling Ellie... Stuff like, like this. All the stuff you don't tell Ellie, but you tell her how to torture people effectively. But you can see, like... See when they're traveling together, and Ellie finally opens up to Joel, and the, like mm-hmm. he should have been asking questions about this kind of thing all the time. Yeah, and he might have tried to like scare her, and obviously it wouldn't work. This is Ellie. Also, I think in to- Joel's mind, like these are the skills that he feels that Ellie needs to survive now. Yeah, it's not the same world. Mm-hmm. 
Because Joel didn't have these skills before the outbreak. No, he picked them up. Him and Tommy picked them up. But So Tommy's gone through this place on his own, like a mm-hmm. Terminator. Got these two, tortured information out of them, and moved on. Um, and the one marked thing that happens here is Dina shuts up. Yeah. So it's not like super... Like, she's still talking. We really felt like there was a shift in Dina here. Yeah. She sees something that she was really shocked by. And she's seen a lot. She's been through a lot. But... To see Tommy treat these people this way, this man that she's known who's married to Maria, like, it's a different side to him. Mm-hmm. And she's known that Ellie's been telling her that Joel and Tommy got up to stuff. Yeah. But I don't think she really believed it until now. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens going forward. And that's kind of where we ended this session. Um Because it was quite another big shock and it felt like the end of this little chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next thing is us moving through the gate that we got the code to and see. Seeing what happens through there. Yep, so we're going to leave it there and continue on afterwards. We've actually played a little bit further than this. So... Next episode is ready to record, basically. Which is very exciting. So thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to follow Anthony on Twitter, you can follow him at Antwell Talk. You can follow the production Twitter at the Abby and Anthony. You can also follow me, Abby, on Instagram at the Abby Wilson. And if you would like to support us, we would love that very much. There are several ways you can do that. You could obviously go to our Patreon. There are several tiers there. That's patreon.com forward slash Abby and Anthony. Or really the most important way that you can support us is to tell people about us leave us reviews on itunes follow us on spotify those are the little things that really get small podcasts noticed yeah thank you internet we love you bye be nice to us internet